Hello, you're listening to episode eight, eight of Eight Minute Movies, Knives Eight. I've said eight so many times. Yes. A podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in eight minute chunks. Fuck. Eight. I was doing so well. A podcast talking about the 2019 movie Knives Out in eight minute chunks presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. This is a sequential podcast that contains spoilers for Knives Out. So you should go and watch it first before listening. And you should start this season with episode one of this season. Episode one of this season. Season three. That's this season. You've said season cool. too many times. Now. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, the, if you say the word eight a lot. Mm. In in rapid succession, it does something to your brain. I think the effect needs to be studied. Mm. How how are you? Uh, I'm I'm well. I think I think I'm well. Yeah, let's let's go with well. I am well, uh, and I I've I've been out out of the doors. Oh, gross! Um, I have played board games in person with real people. What do you think of that? Oh, that um, sounds dirty. Yeah, felt dirty, but I had a good time. Um, I played a board game that I have been meaning to play for some time now. Shall I tell you about it? Um, no, I'm not interested. Uh, no, sorry. Right, sorry. <laughs> no, no, please, please, by all means, tell us of this board game that you played with your hams. So the board game question is one that I don't think that you can find anywhere now because I've been trying to buy it for ages and I, I have not been successful. Uh, it is called Bell Ratty. Uh, okay. <laughs> and it is a game in which uh, you're sort of all collaborating together um, right. against the game. It's kind of you cooperating against the game. And every round, some of you are artists and some of you are art critics or art buyers or something like that. And um, what happens is that they're, 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 you're kind of supposed to be setting up an exhibition. Mm. And so everyone's got all these cards and the cards are pretty simple paintings. They're not like complicated, weird paintings, like in stuff like Dixit or Mysterium. <laughs> they're, they're just like simple paintings of objects like a shoe or a house or <laughs> a cat or whatever. Um, and uh, the first thing that happens is two of these are dealt out as random and they're supposed to be what the theme of the exhibition is. So the theme of the ex exhibition might be like, telephones and mice <laughs> um, and then uh, you you look at your cards if you're one of the artists and you discuss with the other artists uh well, well first of all the, the 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 critics say how many paintings they want for the exhibition and you've got to be able to supply that many so they say oh we want say five paintings for this exhibition and then among the artists they've got to find among all of their cards enough to satisfy that requirement um and the more uh the more that you can have per round the better score that you get at the end and uh so you look at your cards and see if you've got any objects in there that you think can be linked in some way to the theme of the exhibition <laughs> um and uh, uh, and then you d deal those in face down, but then um, the uh, four extra cards that random get dealt into the mixed, 
uh, which are supposed to be the uh, uh, the works of the clever forger Bel Ratti, um, <laughs> who is trying to get his uh, his forgeries uh, passed through this exhibition instead. Right. Uh, and so then it's up to the purchasers to try and correctly identify which ones they um, uh, which ones are the correct ones and which ones are the forgeries. And basically, at some point, once once enough forgeries have made it through, the game is over, and then you count <laughs> up how many uh, you uh, how many pieces of art you successfully managed to get through, and that's your kind of ending score. <laughs> uh, and it's just a it's just a nice fun game. It's uh, it's easy to pick up. It's very funny trying to uh, figure out what people were thinking when they put cards down right uh and uh it's just uh, yeah it's uh it's a good time i recommend it weirdly it reminds me of um animal crossing new horizons <laughs> uh because of the forged art in that yeah yeah because because there's a um the, one of the hundreds or thousands of sub games you can play in it is um there's a fox who will come to your island every so often in a little boat and um he will try and sell you like incredibly famous pieces of art like the mona lisa or whatever <laughs> and his he he brings you like five at a time and like four or four trees and one is real <laughs> um and you you can yeah. buy them off him um and pass them on to the curator of the museum who will like mock you resoundly if um if you bring him a forgery <laughs> yeah unfortunately in this game there is no way to uh, determine what a forgery is <laughs> unless uh, uh you just got to go on your instinct about whether someone's related it to the uh to the theme and yeah. sometimes it's uh, as in a lot of these sorts of games sometimes the link can be pretty tenuous <laughs> like, so you're ending up thinking okay it's <laughs> Is a hairdryer enough like a telephone to fit the theme? How did the ostrich get out of the painting? Yes, that's, um, a, that's an in-joke for yeah, people. Yeah, no, no one will get that reference. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah it's, 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 it's a fun time. I, I would like to play it some more if I manage to get my hands on a copy. Oh, it sounds like it came out quite recently. Uh, it was uh, nominated in the 2019 Spiel des yeah, and then quite quickly just seemed to go out of print or whatever, or it just seems mm. really hard to find because I've never been able to get a copy. I don't know. I, I, I have this thing about modern games where what happens is um, a game comes out, Shut Up and Sit Down recommends it, and then it's out of stock for the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, perhaps that has happened here. Maybe. Maybe so. I don't remember whether they mentioned it or not, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I finally got around to playing it, and uh, maybe there'll be some more board games in my future. Who can say? It looks like fun. I would like to play it. Um, just briefly going back to Animal Crossing, mm. um, the the art identification subplot is just deranged to me, because... Um, the only way you can spot these forgeries is if you're very, very, very familiar with the real pieces of art, right? Yeah. And and this this they, they didn't add this for this game. They this little mini game has been in all of them going back to two thousand and six. You know, like in twenty years ago. Yes. So, what 
What were the designers thinking? That that the, I don't know, eight-year-olds that are the target audience for this game would actually be very skilled in spotting real real works of art from forgery, or that they would just have to go and look it up like everybody else does? I mean, there's, I like, a, there's like a guide now. You just go and look at the picture, and, you know, if the person is wearing, like, a blue hat instead of a red hat, you're like, ah, ha, 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 a forgery. Aren't some of them a little bit obvious? Like some, they've got like yeah, some of them are. Yeah, yeah, some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. Like mm. a, lot, a lot of them, it's like the color of something, and you're like, um. <laughs> well, you know, just tr- trying to teach the kids about how to spot fake art. I know. It's like if I if I was into fine art, do you think I would be playing Animal Crossing New Horizons? <laughs> I'm sure there's some over yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I was, uh, was going to say probably, probably quite, uh, quite a lot of people. It's got a very broad appeal. Um, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to base my, um, base my like slur upon. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that aside, how are you? What, what is your whole deal this week? Uh, my whole deal this week, Peter. Um, you know how I say we're not allowed to talk about things that date the specific times of the podcast when we record them, so people don't know how much of a buffer we do or don't have. Yes, let's talk about let's talk about last night's Eurovision Song Contest. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Eurovision, as I'm sure everyone's aware, takes place around uh, must be about July. Um, yeah, oh I'm yeah, sure. it's it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, hold on, I'll hold on, I'll go and check what date it is today. Ah yes, good. I've I've checked what date it is today, and as as you know, the Eurovision Song Contest happens today, Saturday, the second of July. Uh, <laughs> Famously, yeah, takes place yeah, right at the beginning yeah. of July. Oh boy. Um. Uh, I, I like that. I even fucked it up. I said Saturday, and and the podcast goes out on Fridays. Goes out what, Friday. Whatever. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> So yeah, so I I don't always watch it. I I uh, I end up watching it more often just because lots of people I know are watching it, and um, there's no point trying to do something else while everyone <laughs> else while everyone else is watching it. Uh, Twitter yeah. in particular completely unusable while while, while it's happening. <laughs> I I am the same, and I probably would have done the same yesterday if I hadn't been already playing a video game with some people. Mm. Yeah. Uh. So I just ended up drifting into like a an online watch party of it mm. and um um I, I they're a thing that just happens or there's one every year and well you know except for the bad year and they've been happening for fucking ever mm-hmm. so it's just it's just a thing it's just like a silly thing that happens like one day of the year and um i'm really annoyed that we haven't talked about the game yet because i would have uh done th- readings yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it counts because you should know better um I, I I will allow those dings because yep. uh, as as we've said the um the the normal rules of combat no longer apply yeah uh it's fine that's that sentence was getting increasingly torturous as I tried to remember what my point was I'm quite tired today because mm. uh we, we stayed up quite late um so 
the reason that this year was different than the other years is uh, that this year the UK effectively won. Um, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't actually win, but we'll talk about that. Um, but they, we are um, <laughs> the hosts of this podcast. Pro Europe, love Europe. Um, <laughs> the rest of Europe hates England because. <laughs> They're dickheads. Oh god, this is hard to explain. Um. <laughs> um, I would say that we haven't uh, exactly enamoured ourselves as a nation to the rest of the world. Yeah. Stage lately. Uh, um, oh god how how do we put this? Um, it's a shit country, but we have to live here. Um, yeah, <laughs> is that? <laughs> yes, uh... that we that we really wish politicians had stopped doing shit uh, about a decade ago um, and <laughs> fucked off into the sea. This is getting dangerously political. Maybe we should yeah. move back to the song contest. I, um, <laughs> I, I. I, I... I'd uh, like my country mainly for reasons that I would say that I've got so used to being here <laughs> that I have uh, been able to just kind of tune out all of the glaring uh, flaws. <laughs> yeah. But lately, uh, the uh, the the people in charge of running the country have been sure making that difficult. They real, they really are committed to. Yeah. To error after error, um, mm. not even error, just like deliberately being cock ends. Um, yeah. Oh god, I can't talk about this. It makes me too angry. Never mind. Yeah. No, um, it's it's it, it's it's a whole thing. And uh, what I would say uh, is relevant <laughs> to this discussion is that I would say some other countries have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> that is a way of putting it. Yeah. And reacted accordingly. <laughs> Re reacted during appropriately recent, <laughs> yeah, yeah, during recent Eurovisions. <laughs> So, uh, that, that's like, oh, hey, hey, Peter, he, here's a fun game. Name one laudable thing about the United Kingdom. Um, <laughs> I mean, we did some all right comedy shows in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> uh, recent, recent, come on. Oh, new. Um, Mine is fish uh, and chips. We're pretty good at fish and chips. Fish and chips are still good. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> and, you, you can have my one too. Let's move on. <laughs> I think we have quite good <laughs> snacks. Yeah. Oh, um... Oof. Yeah, we've got sweet shops. Those are nice. Yeah, the, the snacks are nice. <laughs> if you come here, there will be snacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and probably bad things. Um, okay. Uh, um, where was I? Oh, yes. Um, so... We we enter. Uh, let's not put it all on our strained relationship with our neighbouring countries, right? Um, true, true. Because because of the way that Eurovision, because of the unique way the BBC is funded, because of the way Eurovision works, right? We are one of like the five founding members or whatever. So we put in more money, which means that we get a free pass to the final, regardless of what happens. Yes. So. Um, it's just special privilege up the wazoo here in the United Kingdom. Sure so, so um, whatever absolute fucking dreck we can scrape together and enter into a song contest 
of of like forty nations will automatically be fought, like be presented to everyone from those countries who is like, what is this shit? <laughs> so before you get into this year's, I'd just like to say that my absolute favorite example of this was several years ago. I can't even remember how many years ago when a group called Gemini uh, did a tune. I think it was called something like Bye Bye Baby or something like that. And uh it was absolutely amazing because on the night of the actual performance, uh, they managed to sing the tune in a completely different key <laughs> to the backing music that was going on. <laughs> and the result just has to be seen to be believed. So look that up on YouTube or whatever if you if you get the chance. It's oh, it's it's quite something. <laughs> Yeah. So, and again, I I don't want to come across as harsh on the performers or whatever no. because you know they are they are genuinely doing their best. It's just that um, we as a nation perhaps are not giving them the support they need or require. Um, yes. But this year we entered a tune which I um, I've been going back and forth on. I, I when I first heard it, I thought it was good, and now I've moved up to thinking it might be banging. Um, mm. And. I think it was just a perfect storm of stuff where um for some reason most like like a lot of the other countries entered ballads okay. uh like like soft soulful songs that that bring the mood down and there was a there was a stretch in the show where there were like eight of them in a row <laughs> yeah and usually when i hear that sort of song because i know exactly the sort of song that you're mm. talking about uh, so perhaps, to, perhaps there are people on stage holding candles just to be clear um what we're getting to is i i didn't see any of this and i haven't heard any of these mm. songs um but um i i know exactly the sort of thing you're talking about and were it not for the fact that i think the other year sometime maybe even last year there was a, a pretty kind of slow soulful ballad that won quite mm. recently mm. and and i i didn't expect it to go anywhere because it was it sounded very kind of generic much like a billion other eurovision <laughs> songs uh and so i know exactly what you're talking about there there are songs that i um look at at, at eurovision and think well that just happened i am not going to remember <laughs> anything about this song by the end of the evening and imagine that most people are cinema uh, similar so um so yeah uh maybe we just stuck out uh yeah uh, and uh i th i think i saw somebody on twitter say something to that effect that basically at the end of the night when it's time for the audience at home to call in and vote um the they repeat like a little bit of like like 30 seconds of each song like just to remind you while they show you the phone number that you call to um to vote mm -hmm. and ours really stood out and like you know every time it started like everyone would look up and go oh there it is you know that's that song that's um easily distinguishable from the pack of songs surrounding it all right i think that might have helped um so so, so our, our song um as we mentioned um we didn't win but we came second uh the ukraine one you know quite rightly uh, I mean, <laughs> Um, Look, we're not going to get into it. Just use your heads and extrapolate. Yeah, yeah the there, there, were, that, there was that. a huge outpouring of public support for the yeah. Ukraine for some reason. And well done. Excellent. Yeah, very good. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But, but we came second, which to us, 
Like, considering that last year we got nothing, we got zero points at all, like, <laughs> in, in the entire context. Uh, and I would say for the past number of years, for, for reasons that we've kind of talked about, mm. our, our numbers have been close to zero. <laughs> Uh, so the song we entered yesterday, um, if you add up all of our scores for the last 11 years, that's the same number of votes it got. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's our best performing song since 1998 from when way before when some of the listeners of this podcast were born. <laughs> I think I told someone, yeah, I remember getting good scores in, in my youth. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, I would have been uh, sixteen at that time. So. <laughs> um, so so the we we haven't really spoken about the song itself. So here here's the thing. So you haven't. Yeah, there you go. good. Yeah, I agree. Um, mm. so here's an instance. Yeah, you you haven't heard any of the songs from I this haven't. year's thing right so i'm i'm gonna sh- that's true god you're really on the ball today i like I, I, I think i need i think i need a coffee fucking hell <laughs> um you haven't heard any of the songs from this year's performance that's true and i am going to play them for you now all 40 of no i, I i'm gonna play you two songs um the uh our one, England, the the UK's entry, yes, yeah, and um, and and Norway's entry because it's my favourite. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, I we can't leave these in the recording because of YouTube are already on my fucking ass for copyright strikes. Mm. So, um, uh, we will just leave a little pause here and and. I will play it to you. So the the song um, that I'm going to play you now is uh, Spaceman by Sam Ryder. That's the UK entry. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to show you the video as well. So you can, uh, you know, bask in its full experience. I'd love to. All right. All right. And then, and then you, you give me your immediate thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and and we're back uh, mm. from from that copyright violating break. Mm. Um, so, what did you think? Well, you know, I think I agree with you that it's definitely much more memorable than a lot mm. of the other things that we've done recently. Uh, uh, he performed it well. He seemed to be having fun. He was had quite a charismatic uh, stage presence. I'm not surprised it did quite well. Yeah, he's uh, he he seems to have a very positive energy about him, which yeah, uh, yeah, in many ways isn't representing the spirit of the United Kingdom. Um. No, no. Um, I mean, if you'd have said that that was like Sweden's entry, yeah, I would have believed. I know. You. Yeah, like like <laughs> maybe we stole him from the Swedes. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's and it's a good song, but he, and he, I'm just quite impressed with his vocal range. I mean. Um, because I can't get that high. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was uh, he he was really working that uh, that high range there. Mm. Quite a good voice, I think. Um, it kind of mumbled through a few of the lines, but I think that's just his style. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, 
so as as eurovision songs go i i feel like i i feel like i can understand why that one did well amid kind of blander songs our best one for two decades <laughs> mm. yeah all right um uh, but i thought it was very good but but my favorite was norway's and i'm going to play that for you now Mm-hmm. I think I think because Norway's more embraced what the Eurovision Song Contest is truly about, which is just having some incredibly fucking crazy stuff happen on stage. Um. <laughs> All right, can't uh... wait. <laughs> Yeah, so so that was that. That that was uh, Subwoofer with Give That Wolf a Banana. Yeah, uh, so this one, uh, I think, uh, I, I, I understand why you liked it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's very catchy. It's quite catchy. Uh, it, it has uh, some excellent staging here, some nice choreography going mm. on uh, uh, on this one. Uh, what... I felt like it might be a little bit try-hard in, <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, Eurovision weirdness goes. Like we all know the kind of uh, quirky Eurovision song <laughs> archetype, and this was just throwing everything <laughs> at that. And I think that might be why it ultimately didn't work because people looked at it and went yeah okay we we see what you're doing here <laughs> we get it <laughs> yeah. the, the, the ones that tend to do better in this situation is the ones that where the weirdness is it kind of arises more <laughs> naturally and you don't feel like they they've just deliberately gone for okay <laughs> let's just try and make the most unusual thing that we can possibly uh, uh poss- oh yeah yeah so <laughs> Yeah, I get it. I liked it. I appreciated it, but I uh, I do understand why it didn't work on this occasion. For everyone. <laughs> I, I yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, especially if you go and watch. I'm not going to expose you to any more of these, but the 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 Moldavian one uh, that certainly has some naturally occurring weirdness within it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did this one do in the end? Anyway, I'm, I'm uh, not that great. Mm. Um, I uh, I. I'm going to go and look. Uh, it came 10th. Okay. It's not bad, but like, well, you know, compared to Astronomic. <laughs> uh, do, do you know how Moldova did in comparison? Because you said there was some naturally occurring weirdness in that one, you felt. Seventh. <laughs> okay, so it did better, you see. It did better, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that people probably a little, they, they probably appreciated it, but probably a little bit sore through its bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, in, in fact, what was probably the weirdest one of the night, Serbia's entry, um, came fifth. Mm. So, yeah, so there's something to be said for, for writing a soulful song that's also a little bit fucking bananas. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, but, um, but that's almost certainly enough about that. <laughs> Uh, it certainly is, uh, especially considering I think that we've got quite an action-packed next segment to start wow, going through soon. so many hmm. things. Yeah. Um, uh, but we're not quite ready for that, are we? No. Um, um, we, we, 
half an hour in and and we've just finished our usual weird digressions so i i, I guess it's time to introduce the concept of the podcast yeah sure. um so uh this is a podcast where we take a film we break it up into chunks and we look at the chunks and then we talk about the chunks that's it that's, that's it. how how long are those chunks kieran 10 minutes oh no you you've got it wrong kieran how could you let people down like this i'm a constant disappointment to everyone peter <sighs> well look i'm just gonna say you round it up yeah yeah okay cool yeah I, to the to to the nearest tens it's 10 okay fair enough and there's also some bullshit about bells, which oh, this dickhead is really on the ball about this week for some reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if either of us, like, outside of certain contexts, which if you're not familiar with by now, go back and listen to the previous episodes <laughs> of the podcast, say the words um, thing or out, mm. then we may ring the bell and the other person may be suitably embarrassed. They lose points. And at the end of the season, we summarize the points, and whoever gets the least points will be lowered into a volcano. Or something. Yeah. Um, I need to look into that, actually. Volcano hire is like harder to arrange than you'd think. Mm. Um, so, uh, shall we not talk about the thing? Yes. Or, uh, what would you like to hear about this week? Um, I I genuinely don't know why I switched the format of this to me asking you a question, then ignoring whatever you say and just doing what's on my sheet. I quite like it. This time I'm going to say Frank Oz. Uh, okay, let's talk about Murder by Death. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a really good week to talk about Frank Oz. Maybe next it, time. It, it would. Yeah. It would have been. Um, I, um, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. I don't think we talk about Frank Oz. <laughs> What am I even paying you for? <laughs> um, Murder by Death is a 1976 American comedy mystery film directed by Robert Moore and written by Neil Simon. The film yeah. stars Eileen Brennan, uh, and you might remember her from Clue, um, where she plays Mrs. Peacock. Truman Capote, James Coco, Peter Falk. Where do we know Peter Falk from? Columbo. Columbo. He's Columbo. In here, he's playing a detective not entirely dissimilar to Columbo. Yes. Um, Alec Guinness, Elsa Lanchester, David Niven, Peter Sellers, Maggie Smith, Nancy Walker, and Estelle Winwood. So it's a, it's one of them all-star ensemble casts. Yes, it's uh, it's got quite a few people in it, really. Mm. Uh, the plot is a broad parody or spoof of the traditional country house whodunit. Familiar to mystery fiction fans of classics such as Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. The cast mm. is an ensemble of British and American actors playing send-ups of well-known fictional sleuths, including Hercule Poirot, Miss Marple, Charlie Chan, Nick and Nora Charles, and Sam Spade. It also features a rare acting performance by author Truman Capote. The story takes place in and around the isolated country home populated by eccentric multimillionaire Lionel Twain, Truman Capote, his blind butler, James Benson, mom, <laughs> Alec Guinness, and a deaf mute cook named Yetta, played by Nancy Walker. Um, the film was presented at the Venice International Film Festival on September the fifth, nineteen seventy-six. So, um, I mean, we've I've I've inflicted this movie on you, and um, the reason we're mentioning it here is it's uh, one of the ones that Ryan Johnson listed as his inspirations for Knives Out. 
Uh, yes, and uh, I've enjoyed this film. I think we've mentioned that uh, at some point we kind of became a little bit obsessed <laughs> by uh, James Sir James Benson Mom. It's such a <laughs> yeah. weird... Uh, uh, I've not really known Alec Guinness to be... I've only really seen him in serious things, so yes. him in a comedic role, and he has, like, absolutely on-point comedic delivery. So yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. I guess that, like in an in another world, he might have his career might have gone along the same trajectory as someone like uh, Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's the, exactly the vibe I got from this. It turns out he's very funny. Hmm. Um, it's the whole film is is really funny, but it, it w- would be difficult to recommend it now because, uh, at least without mentioning, it's got some stuff. The, in it that was acceptable in the 1970s but super isn't now um <laughs> put it this way i sure wish that peter sellers character was oh, in that film oh boy yeah that that yeah that whole thing is super awkward mega yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah um the rest of the film is funny if you can work around some of the terrible terrible things uh, but yeah, I'm glad you said it because I I, I remember enjoying the film generally. But yeah. you just kind of have to uh, <laughs> you have to cordon off certain areas yeah. of the film. Yeah, you watch it and you're like you're like you're like oh oh that bit's funny. Oh, I'll skip forward two minutes. Okay, yeah, it's funny again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely one of those. I would oh, say, unfortunately, yeah. but um, but you can sort of see why why there are bits of it that had an influence. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting as a as a murder mystery film because as a, you know, usually what happens even in complicated ones is like the plot gets unraveled as it goes on. But in this the plot just gets more and more complicated to the point where you're not even sure by the end of the film if there was a murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen it that I don't really remember what happens by the end of it at all. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, if only for that whole very silly James Sir Benson bum <laughs> bit, I recommend at least looking that up because it's it's just it's very silly. Yeah, well, watch that watch that bit on YouTube if you think that the rest of the film might be a bit much. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, so we we crack onwards into um, um, reviewing your answers from the previous episode. The things right. that you said at the end. I'm not explaining this. Don't worry, I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> so I asked you if you were seeing this movie for the first time, who did you think was the murderer and how did they do it? And uh, you stuck with um, what I think you're probably going to stick with for oh several more scenes. Uh, Marta is the murderer through some sort of terrible accident. Yes, I think the, that's where I'm staying. The drugs got switched by, by accident and Harlan got poisoned, so he killed himself. Mm-hmm. And um, then I asked you, what happens next? And you said, Marta will grab the fridge magnet that was shown prominently in the previous episode, and she'll use it to erase the tape. Then she'll step in the footprints on the way back up to the house, like hiding her identity. And there'll be some shenanigans with a piece of broken trellis that she broke off on the night. So basically, you reckon in this scene, she, it, you reckon in this episode, she's just covering her tracks from, yeah. uh, from the murder. Yes. From the manslaughter, I guess. Um, all right. So uh, I guess now we have to go and watch 
the show and talk about the show. Watch and talk about the show. Let's do that. Let's do okay. it. Okay, let's do it. Keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite tired. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're watching minutes 56 to one hour and four minutes of Knives 8. That's not what it's called. That's the no, podcast. The Get it Get yeah. it together, Kieran. Take take your tablets. Start again. Um, I'm leaving that one in okay. <laughs> as a punishment to myself. It's fine. Still watching the VHS recording of The Night of the Crime, Wagner says it looks like a Japanese horror movie, and Blank asks Marta to scan ahead. And um, in the background says, are we all going to die in seven days? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you must have noticed that the VHS tape here looks particularly scrunkly. Um, uh, I didn't really pay very much attention to the details of the VHS tape, no. Uh, so t- to make it look that bad, uh, Ryan Johnson and his cousin Nathan, who's the composer um, for the for the film, mm. um, Spent a night uh, hand crinkling the VHS tape just to make it give it like a really sort of used, very bad quality look. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I suppose I do remember it being pretty bad quality. Now that I think about it, yeah. I, I always, I always like it when um, there's VHS tape in something, and someone's had to go to ridiculous lengths with a magnet or whatever to um, to deliberately make it worse than it actually was. I think it um, must be fun to artificially age stuff. Oh yeah, well, well I, I you ever made a treasure map? You know, you uh, um, dip it in tea, burn the edges. Oh, it's great fun. Um, uh, but uh, I, I'm absolutely certain we mentioned it last season. But like the menus uh, on Alien Isolation um, look like uh, ratty old VHS tape things, and someone asked them how they got how they achieved that effect, and it was by uh, creating the menus digitally recording them onto a vhs tape mm-hmm. and then as the tape was playing in a like through another tape into a recorder just go into town on it with like magnets and shit and like just yanking it and stuff to <laughs> deliberately make it look awful <laughs> yeah i like it when people do things like that like uh, what was i was watching recently like uh, a talk on the the game knights and bikes you know the game knights and bikes yeah yeah still haven't played it. uh and they're talking about how they uh just kind of aged up the uh, the soundtrack a bit by playing it through cassette tapes a few times <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's 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 fun and like and there is something about that that you can't quite capture with digital effects. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I see why they still do it. I just do do like the idea of like you know the director of a multi million dollar film and and his cousin sitting in their kitchen just crunkling up videotape with their hands. <laughs> The tape scans ahead towards the time, and Marta hits the eject button with her thumb. Ha <laughs> ha, she's, she's tricked them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's lucky that um, that did anything, I suppose, because it, <laughs> uh, that might have not really been effective. Mm. Um, the tape rises from the now-smoking VHS player, and Blank asks Elliot to have it digitized, and Marta takes it. Now, would that happen though if you hit the eject button on this uh, on a cassette player like this? It, do, do you know? Like that? Um, my instinct would be to say no, right? But my experience is of um, 
sort of like modern modern in fucking quotation marks there yeah. uh, the word modern is doing a lot of heavy lifting there um <laughs> uh modern vhs players uh which had like safety features to stop you doing dumb shit um yeah but but his tape his vhs player is a fucking ancient one it's a, it's a top mm. loader peter it's <laughs> that is fair so maybe it just yeah maybe they just didn't do it yeah um so um I was I was never quite entirely sure about the smoke. I like is it supposed to have damaged the tape or the player? I'm not really sure or is it just that it's so old? It's very unclear. Yeah, that's that's a lot of smoke cuz like the worst that could happen is that it might have kind of ruined the the uh oh, what you call them the uh reed heads. I I'm, I'm I'm thinking of the it's this is not the word at all. So this is embarrassing, but like the ropes that go around <laughs> the, the belts. There we go. The belts. That's what I was trying to think of. <laughs> yes. Uh, re- real damage to the ropes. <laughs> yeah, the belts. That's what I was thinking of. I, I, so maybe the doing yeah. that in the middle of fast forwarding just kind of uh, made the rubber belts. Especially, especially in a player which is conservatively forty years old, yeah. um, but that's not going to create <laughs> that much smoke. I feel no. like no. Um, if uh, any piece of consumer electronics that's letting out that much smoke is fucked, and, yeah, that's uh, done. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can tell you that as someone whose laptop once caught fire. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, um. Uh, brief digression just happily using my laptop and then uh like like it, it was like midnight i was just about to go to sleep i was just typing on it and and it went Zzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz
<laughs> that I am I hesitate to say it's the same one that's seen here, but it was really eerily similar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my video player was never an heirloom. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it just loaded in the front. It was, uh, you know, as you'd expect. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing, the thing that made me, uh, thing that made me laugh about it is, is that. Um, uh, we're going to use the word modern quite wrongly again, but modern VCRs, you know, towards, you know, in the early 2000s when they were at the end of their run, like, Mm -hmm. basically it was a a plastic box with some machinery in it, It weighed about 10 grams. Um, This thing, this thing was so heavy, it took two people to move it up a flight of stairs. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know what it was made, like, whether the whole thing was made out of, like, cast tungsten or something. But like, if it's it's the only piece of consumer electronics I've ever had where I have felt safe, be hiding from gunfire behind it. You know, <laughs> I remember having videos though, and my uh, my uh, dad is he, he likes his gadgets. He likes like little mm. um, uh, little gadgets and fun little pieces of technology. And one thing that I remember that we had for uh, you, you did it. <laughs> well done. Uh, I can say something. That's all right. <laughs> yes, yeah, something is allowed. Yeah. Uh, something we had for our videotapes um, uh, were was these blue. You, you know where you write on the label. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we had these blue strips which um, uh, you could put pressure on with a pencil or a nail or something like that. And it would kind of in it, it it would write on them, but then if you rubbed across it with mm. your hand, it would uh, it would rub the title out on it. And uh, yeah, no, I know, uh, I know I've never seen one for a VHS tape, but I know the sort of thing you mean. It's like you're supposed to stick them on the fridge or whatever to write temporary notes to people, right? And uh, so we had these, um, but their um, their lifespan was very short. So eventually, they all just became complete nonsense, and it was, <laughs> uh, it was a rubbish invention that should never have. <laughs> Uh, stuck with us for as long as they did just <laughs> like mountains of completely illegible videotapes <laughs> oh dear um by the way i just want to say and this one doesn't count because um uh, i'm talking in the context of the the bell game i threw in deliberately then a, a, an out just to see if you'd catch it and you, and you didn't oh sorry i was i was still yeah. basking in my success yeah, I said uh, I, I said you could rub them out, didn't I? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you didn't pick up on it. Uh, I was I was trying to throw you a bone there. <laughs> do you um do you want me to ring it now and go back and comp it in? Or it's too late. It is. It is. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, in my defence, right, um, I was distracted during the last bit of your speech there because a fucking ice cream van turned up outside my house and started doing the jingle, and mm. I was wondering a whether it was being recorded and we'd need to go back and like like redo the line, uh-huh. and b why is an ice cream van going around in torrential rain? <laughs> I don't know. What was it doing? Green sleeves? Um, uh, no, that other one. I don't know what it's called. Uh, brown sleeves. I don't. <laughs> that is an entirely different song. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I, I don't know what songs they use. Let's move on. 
Should we get back to this? We're like two Please. lines in. Let's yeah, go. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a mere seventeen hours in this god the godforsaken podcast. <laughs> All right. Um. Later outside, the camera pans past a statue of a hippo. Which is weird now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the director's commentary, Ryan Johnson, is giggling that they made the art department uh, build this giant hippo out of woods and then drag it into the middle of a forest. So so he's glad it made it into the film. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Quite an elaborate prop that had no reason really to be there other than just looking strange for a second. Well, yeah, but there is a line about it. It's coming up. Um Wait, is there? I, I think I missed it. Yeah. Um, Trooper Wagner says that the statues are from Harlan's book, The Menagerie Tragedy Trilogy. Oh. That's why, that's why he's got the, uh, the carved elephant and the carved hippo outside his house. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I sort of missed that because I was still thinking about how odd the hippo was. <laughs> <laughs> um, the name Menagerie Tragedy Trilogy was made up on the day. <laughs> uh, they they polled the whole crew for something funny and uh butch mccarthy the film's greensman came up with it <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i while making this and while watching it for the first time thought like that's never gonna work because Mar- marta like holds a fridge magnet against the tape mm-hmm. um and that that doesn't that'll erase like a little bit of the tape right it will raise the bit directly under the magnet Mm. You really need to spool the tape past it in order to um, like erase it fully, right? Mm. Um, and I, I didn't notice before, but during this little scene, she's walking along and she's doing something with her hands with the magnet and the tape. So she's clear; she clearly knows she's like wiping the tape out with the magnet <laughs> and moving it along. But you, it's it's very subtle. Like unless you're watching her hands, you can't quite tell what she's up to. Mm-hmm. Wagner takes the tape from Marta. Uh, and we see that she's been holding it against a magnet she stole from Proofwalk's fridge. Yeah, so if it wasn't for what you had just said, I, I would have also said that I don't feel like this would work. Yeah, I mean, really. and you just you just pointed out to me that that I did sort of explain it in a confusing way, but like, so we definitely see that she she has the magnet and the tape together. Um, so, yeah, but but if you weren't paying closer attention in that previous little bit we were just talking about. Um, you actually do see her like jiggling the tape so that she's erasing the whole thing rather than just a little tiny bit of it. I wasn't even sure that it would work uh, a, a little bit with just a a, a fridge ma- a fridge magnet. Is yeah. is that powerful enough to to do yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, then they're, they're not like um, I mean, any sort of magnet will screw up a magnetic tape. Um, I suppose so. Yeah, that makes sense. It's 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 just. Um, they're just what you call it's like it, it, oh christ how does magnetic tape work it's um a film of like little magnetic particles um mm. that can be read or recorded to by a magnet so just literally the contact of any magnet with it will wreck it <laughs> mm. they walk through the forest looking for clues talking about how they haven't been able to track down ransom yet marta steps in mud near the back gate and realizes she'll have left footprints there. Yeah, and I didn't really notice this the first couple of times I, I watched this film, I think, because I was too busy watching Marta's antics here. But <laughs> uh, there's a whole conversation, weird conversation happening in the background where they're talking about uh, they, uh, Ransom's address or something like Yeah. Which is 
Canoke Drive or something along, yes. uh, along that. And then uh, Blunk is just sort of enjoying the sound of Canoke <laughs> <laughs> and, and just uh, saying things like, I awoke amid Canoke <laughs> <laughs> and just repeating Canoke to himself in a very weird voice. <laughs> yeah. A strange man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, Marta gets away with this here, I, I, I think, because they've all had some sort of temporary breakdown. <laughs> like he's not all like, even though he's supposed to be the kind of observant uh, detective, he's not always entirely <laughs> present. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good description. <laughs> If if he thinks things aren't really relevant to the case, he's really tuned out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the others try to stop her, Marta pretends not to be able to hear them and treads all the way through the mud again. <laughs> it's uh, it's a good ploy. <laughs> <laughs> good job there, Marta. I can't can't fault it. Although you do get the sense that. Um, uh, Blunk isn't entirely buying it. Just yeah, a this, little bit from his reaction. This this whole little bit is a, is a little bit slapstick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I I have a note in here. I have, my note here says uh, in the run up to this, Blunk is off saying weird stuff like "I awoke in Canoke." Yes. <laughs> uh, as the cops resignedly walk through the gate at the lost evidence. Uh, the dogs run out and up to Marta for pets. Mm. While she's petting them, Blanc says the best judge of character is a dog. Yeah, and uh, after he says that, he gives her that sort of interesting look, as if he's trying to figure her or something about the case out. Yeah. Because he, I think he genuinely does believe that, and uh, he is still turning over in his head. He doesn't think that this is a person who has a motive for murder, no. but he also knows that she must in some way be involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's really interesting to re-watch this movie with the knowledge that Blank is fully aware yeah. of, of her involvement in Harlan's death right from the second he meets her. <laughs> yeah. Um... Because yeah, that 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 little—I mean, I didn't mention it—but that he does give her a, an interesting little look mm. when uh, when the dogs are being nice to her. Yeah. The dogs charge back through the gate up to the house where Linda and Richard have just arrived, and um, they run up to they run up to Linda and like uh, she gives them hugs and stuff. So uh, if we're going with our dogs are the best judges of character um, thing. They Richard. like Lin Linda. I don't. I, I seem to have a memory that they didn't like Richard as much, but they don't seem to really react to Richard. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say I, uh, he doesn't look like he likes them running up to him, but they are indifferent to him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he he looks nervous at having. I don't know. What are they? German shepherds just <laughs> running across the <laughs> lawn towards him. Elliot notes that they're planning to read the will at about ten, so the whole family will be arriving soon. Mm. I don't know when I thought this happened, but for some reason I thought this was a bit uh, later because uh, with the will reading, we're going to get the next big kind of uh, twist in mm. in the 
plot. So I'm I'm very excited about the next part of this. Well, you mean um, you mean you thought it was happening later in the day or later in the film? Later in the film, I thought ah, it was happening. Yes. I, I didn't remember it being the the next sort of immediate bit. Well, I mean, we we are basically halfway through the film now, so this is is the time to knock it up a notch. Mm. Um, we know it's uh, probably about ten a.m. because uh, if you remember from the previous episode, uh, Blancaster meter at eight. So uh, it's true they had they had some time playing in the CCTV shed. Then they, then they went for a play with the gate, and uh, now they're going up to the house. Mm. Marta and Blank walk up to the house, and Marta says she's never been to a will reading. And Blank says, you think it would be like a game show, but it's more like a community theater production of a tax return. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a great line. (laughs) Yes. Although I've heard that you don't usually have these kind of style of will readings where everyone's kind of gathered in a room. No, no. The things are announced. It's it's normally not like that. (laughs) I mean... I'm I'm prepared to give it some leeway for it being a very rich man uh yeah. with with a personal lawyer uh <laughs> giving it away to his millionaire children. I'm pre- I'm prepared to believe that they would have a big, you know. Yeah. Also, I am prepared to believe that he instructed his lawyer oh, to do it like this. <laughs> oh, of course, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if there's one thing the movie shows us about Harlan, it's that if there's something that could be a little <laughs> done with a little bit more spectacle. Um... <laughs> but I suppose we'll get into that in the next episode when it actually happens, probably. While Blank looks in the bushes. One of the dogs brings Marta the section of trellis that she broke off during her climb the other night. <laughs> um, I'm going to get back to this in a minute, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that he uh, the, the the dog brings it to her as a kind of fetch stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, she throws it away while a startled Blank realizes that Nana Thromby is staring at both of them through the window. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, what does he say at that point? Sweet beans! (laughs) Good phrase. Sweet beans. Uh, it's is is a very good cut because, like, obviously, you're, you're not really paying attention to whatever Blanc is doing because Marta is getting the getting the trellis and throwing it away, and then then there's suddenly the sweet beans. <laughs> it's good, and uh, maybe he's just starting to put together at that point as well that she's. Often looking out that window, maybe yeah. often staring out that window. I was, my my note here is that sh- that Nana Thromby is very observant. And uh, do you think that seeing her here gives Blank the idea to ask her if she was maybe doing that the night of the party? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, and meanwhile, the antics with the stick again. I wonder whether um, it was necessarily a massively good idea on Marta's part just to fling oh, yeah. the stick away in a way that a dog might chase off yeah, and bring it back. It's a fetch. She throws it. The dog yeah. will fetch the stick. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> but I suppose she panics. They um, Apparently the scene was actually slightly longer with the dog bringing her a ball and she threw the ball and then it came back with the uh, with the trellis instead. Um, <laughs> but they um, they they cut it down a bit because um, there was only so long they could conceivably have bl- blank plausibly 
fiddling around in shrubbery, you know, <laughs> while she does all this stuff in the background. If if it were me, I might have shoved the bit of trellis in my j- big jacket or something like that. Yeah, she does have big coat pockets. I noticed yeah. that when, when she was holding the tape, because Trooper Wagner's like, oh, I can have that, but her coat pockets are big enough for a VHS tape, which is, mm. like, real fucking big for a pocket. <laughs> yeah. They go inside to the study with Blunk pacing around. He asks where Marta's medical bag is, and Wagner says it was probably taken in as evidence. Blank asks Marta how the go board got knocked over, and Marta says they were goofing around. Blank knocks the board onto the floor, and seems thoughtful about how quiet it is. Mm. See, I didn't remember that he'd actually done this in, mm. the, in the film. Uh, I only remembered being clever for thinking about it all by myself. Yeah, um... Which uh, which just goes to show the fallibility of human memory, which is a subplot of this movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I first saw it, I did think about it all by myself, but mm. um, that that moment gives me some doubts now. Maybe I'm <laughs> retroactively remembering that, and yeah. I, didn't, uh, I didn't think about it at all. But no, I think I did think about it at the time. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, because it's because they're like, oh, we knocked the go board over, but like when you see it in the flashback, it's like a proper crash, like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. They uh, they used sound editing tricks to uh, make this be as quiet as possible um, as it as they could while having it still seem like a realistic amount of noise. Yeah, I was wondering about that actually because I think that it seems a little bit. I I feel like that's a solid good quality go board. There, it's yeah, it's actually quite heavy. Yeah, it's it's it, it's clearly like that thing where you glue two different woods together like mm-hmm. walnut and uh, a lighter wood and then you um uh, you know shape it into a big thing. so it's a big heavy thing if like if it hit the floor it would make a noise but they have toned it down <laughs> a lot yeah i i suspected that cuz yeah i think that 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 sound is a little bit cheap for what i think that go board probably is mm. outside ransom arrives in his car and the dogs run up, furiously barking at him. You know, in hindsight, I should have been more suspicious towards him <laughs> at this point, uh, given the clues that we've had so far. But I, I guess uh, that's just not where my mind was at at the time. First watching this film, I'm not thinking that I have to be suspecting someone else at this point. Yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, of course. I mean, because. Um... Uh, as you know, we've switched from a whodunit to a how catch 'em at this mm. point. But um, also, I didn't really suspect Ransom here because the scene where they're saying, "Oh, you know, dogs, excellent judge of character," they um, that happens, and then there's quite a lot of other stuff happens yeah. in quick succession before this. If it had been immediately after it, like if they'd have, like you know, if they'd have barked at Linda, I'd have been like, "Oh," but um, yeah, a couple of minutes have gone by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elliot and Wagner greet him as Hugh Drysdale, and he explains that they should call him Ransom, as it's his middle name, and only the help call him Hugh. <sighs> <laughs> what do you mean, Sigh? <laughs> yeah, I feel like this will probably come up later as well. <laughs> is this foreshadowing? <laughs> I think it is. Um... Ryan named him Ransom after the protagonist from The Space Trilogy, which are three science fiction novels written by C.S. Lewis. Okay. Yeah, didn't know anything about that. He, he just liked the name. 
The police say they want to ask him some questions, and he breezes past them into the hall. <laughs> As the cops splutter, Ransom returns from the kitchen with cookies, then walks into the lounge. Um, <laughs> I've got no here. It's at this point that um, Blank tries to talk to him, and he says he refers to him as TSIKFC. <laughs> <laughs> I really, uh, on a kind of closer watch of it here, I really do enjoy Chris Evans' performance in, the, <laughs> in this film. He really just does play an excellent dickhead. <laughs> I remember um, when we spoke about him in the last episode that he he, re- he was basically begging for the role. <laughs> yeah. I think he's played too many nice guys recently. Um, <laughs> um, much of the family is gathered in here. Uh, he asks Franny for a glass of cold milk, and Meg says that's not her name or her job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cookies Ransom is eating here are Biscoff ones, um, and they were chosen because they, they look interesting and expensive. Um, but Ryan Johnson felt guilty because they're very buttery cookies. And, of course, if an actor is eating in a film for, like, two or three minutes, in actuality, they'll have been eating for, like, ten hours. <laughs> That's true. So, and, like, you, your works get all all gummed up with that he, sort of stuff. Like, I, we have that problem on the podcast. He's, 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 he's had to sit there and eat, like, two or three packets of Biscoff biscuits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't. I can't remember what it was. I was watching the director's commentary for something, and they were like, uh, "He was like, you can tell what expert actors they are because um, during all the talking lines, none of them are eating because because they, <laughs> <laughs> they know if they're eating that they'll have to eat that thing over and over and over again <laughs> while they're doing. I think it might be seven actually of all films. <laughs> Ransom agitates everyone as the lawyer arrives. Frank Oz. Frank Oz, yeah. Um, did you recognize him? Um, no, not really. I just happened to know that it is Frank Oz because at some point a long, long time ago, I did. I watched the commentary as well. Plus, also, um, I sent you. I sent you a photo of him at the start of the season with Frank Oz. <laughs> uh, yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I knew that from before. Um, <clears throat> I was just say it's it's very unusual for you to recognize an actor. <laughs> No, uh, I I feel like I've seen him uh, because I we we know Frank Oz from other things, obviously, but usually mm. not as a face on. No, yeah, that's that's but, that's why I was I was particularly confused of all the people to recognise. Yeah. Uh, but knowing what he looks like from this film, I feel like I've seen him in other things as well, mm. but I just can't quite place what. And it's certainly weird to hear him talking with his actual voice, yeah, with a normal <laughs> voice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Johnson says these scenes with the whole family there were the best days of filming. Uh, everyone had trailers outside, um, but no one would go back to them because there was um, a weird rec room in the basement of the mansion they were filming in. <laughs> and they'd all just go out and hang hang out down there playing on the foosball table and like weird family games like charades. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like... I think you've got to have a good atmosphere in order to film scenes that come across as kind of naturally and yeah. as well as this does. Yeah, and I, th- I think it helps that like a lot of the dialogue is sort of improvised. Not, uh, 
I don't know if I really mean that. I mean, like they, you know, they're throwing in flourishes and changing lines and stuff to um, better suit their character as it's going, which I suppose is improvisation. Oh, the yeah, fuck I'm talking about, Peter. It's, it's, just... it's some some ad libbing, I think, is what you want to say. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's the phrase that I'm desperately yeah. struggling for. Thank you, thank you for throwing me that little life raft. Walt remarks that it's funny that Ranson skipped the funeral, but is early for the will reading. Yes. Mm, interesting, that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ransom doesn't have much to say about that, does he? <laughs> uh, no, he's uh, he's keeping uh, quiet for reasons that will come apparent in uh, the next episode, I believe. Hashtag wait bait. Yeah. Um, Walt is surprised he turned up at all, and notes that Jacob was in the bathroom next to Harlan's office at the party and heard something. Um... <laughs> There's a, a great little exchange here between uh, Meg and Jacob where she calls him an alt-right troll. And yeah. he says she's a liberal snowflake. And then Walt says something like, I don't know what any of that means. Which yeah. kind of reinforces <laughs> some of the stuff that happened earlier as well. Where he really has no idea of the... Yeah. Or, or if he doesn't have an idea, he has no interest in... Uh, doing anything about anything yeah, that his, yeah. Uh, his son is up to. He's he's a terrible father. Yeah. <laughs> um, Richard tells Walt his son is a little creep, and they start fighting uh, to the indifference of the police and the glee of ransom. It's, it's like a physical fight. <laughs> yeah, I think Richard uh, uses the... Uh, <laughs> uses the phrase that um, Jacob uh, is in the bathroom joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer. Yeah, that's that's the line I've got here. He's in the bathroom joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer. Um, <laughs> Which is an like, amazing line, but I'm, in a way uh, I'm a little surprised that uh, Richard is so hard on the kid given that, that with that flashback earlier... I feel like they probably have quite a lot of <laughs> politics in common. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think what this is showing more than anything is that, as with a lot of the stuff that you get in it, with this family, a lot of the disagreements between them, it's more kind of performative than it is mm. actual. Like he's like Richard is uh, uh, just as bad with the. Uh, with quote the help as Ransom, oh, we've yeah. seen that earlier. But mm. Ransom is the one that gets all the flack about it because he's just more of overtly a dick about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! Um, sorry, every time I read joylessly masturbating to pictures of a dead deer, it makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, um, Jacob reveals he heard Harlan say, "My will." Then there was more fighting, and then Ransom said. I'm warning you. Mm. And um, as this happens, Michael Shannon, as Walt Thromby, throws his hands up in the air like he's been vindicated. <laughs> yeah. This uh, this wasn't in the script. It was just something Michael Shannon did, and they loved it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's got a bunch of good kind of unscripted reactions coming up, actually. <laughs> they... um. Uh, I'm not sure if we mentioned it yet, but Ryan Johnson said that he was consistently the most funny person on the set. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept, like, they, they, he kept doing stuff and they were like, oh, fuck yeah, we're keeping that. Um, <laughs> mm. And it's, it's really difficult. Like, the, the, I mean, it's hard enough as uh, an actor, I think, 
just to kind of have your lines and be able to deliver them yeah. in a way that feels kind of natural and stuff like that. But also to be as kind of present in the scene as and as into the character that you can just naturally throw in stuff like that and have it feel right um <laughs> is uh it's a real skill i think <laughs> um walt rants at ransom that he thinks he's been cut out of the will and that the family aren't going to support him anymore richard asks ransom son Father, if Harlan told him that he was going to be cut out of the will, dot dot dot, and that's it. That's where this episode ends. Very, very dramatic cut. I love it. Yes. Um, if we didn't know what the answer to the question was, who I'd be like, wow, <laughs> yeah, what is gonna happen? What's next? gonna happen next? Um. <laughs> I do like I do like that little interchange between them where uh <laughs> where Richard's trying to be like, you know, serious dad mode and he's like yeah. son and uh Rats is like father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just not taking any of this seriously no, no, at all. No. He's just here for a laugh. He's he's here for the show and yeah. we're going to find out why <laughs> like, yes. very soon. Uh. Oh boy. Um I guess that's it for this episode. So, uh Peter, the traditional questions for you. Mm. Uh who's infected? No, no, sorry. That's um that's a that's a, that's a different uh, different season. Um days. If you were seeing this for the first time, who's the murderer and how did it? I bet you're going to be sticking with Marta, Marta and the poison accident. Yeah, at this at this point, I am still in that spot. Mm. Um, and and what what happens next, Pete? What happens next? Okay, so what happens very directly next is that Ransom is going to say "Yep" like that yeah. <laughs> with a big old uh, a big plosive uh, P. Yeah, and I think for some reason uh, we're going to get another excellent ad libbed uh, reaction. Uh, from Walt, where in response to that, he kind of goes, he kind of makes the same sound <laughs> like, in response. But I think I, I think I can even uh, go better than that and preempt one of your little talking points that is going to be on the ne- next uh, stage. Because I, I feel like I remember from the commentary when I watched this uh, some some time ago when I watched the commentary, they mentioned that those two shots, as in Ransom going, yep, and uh, then Michael Shannon's reaction uh, to that were not filmed at the same time. (laughs) They were filmed at completely different times. So he had no real idea that that Ransom was going to do that big old plosive P uh, and then, uh, uh, but he still responded with that noise <laughs> that, that he makes. So I have a feeling that's going to come up next time. Wow. Uh, I, I mean, I've got nothing about that. So cool. Glad, glad you mentioned it. Cause we, <laughs> unless you remember to do it next time, it's not on the car. Wow. I have, I should have saved it for next time. Yeah, I, look, I, look, I, what you, look what you've done. You've, uh, <laughs> you've ruined it. I, yeah. 
I mean, I'm not I'm not writing all that down because I'm not a fucking stenographer. What do you think? <laughs> but, but, but yeah, um, but that that was always very fascinating to me that this was such a it felt like such a perfect reaction, but it was just com- <laughs> a complete accident, totally random. Yeah, uh, and uh, then the next thing that's going to happen about that is that. Uh, Ransom is going to tell a whole load of people to eat shit. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to hear Walt say that he will not eat one iota of shit <laughs> in the background during that, which is an easy line to mix, but uh, miss, but it's great. Uh, as you as you must know from hearing me talk about this, I really like this next bit of the film, which is why I remember it so well. Uh, and then we're actually going to get to the uh, Will reading. And obviously, everything's going to be left to Mata Kabuawa. Everything is left to Mata. Wow, that's uh, that's very comprehensive. In fact, um, going further than I have in my research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I, I really like this next bit of the film. We're probably going to get to the point as well where uh, Marta is going to try and leave the house while everyone is accusing her of boinking uh, <laughs> and uh and then uh ransom is going to enable her escape okay wow that's uh that's a lot i hope that happens in eight minutes or you'll have made the very concept of this podcast look foolish <laughs> yes and who would want that um oh, my many detractors um well, what are you thinking of the film so far, Peter? Uh, I well, I, I'm having a lot of fun at this point. I think uh, I, I just really enjoy the, the this whole family scene. Uh, I we're going to get some more of that in the next uh, segment. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm having a great time with the film at the moment. <laughs> uh, uh, I am looking forward to more of this. <laughs> So, I guess that brings us to the end of this episode. Listeners, if you have any questions or comments, or you want to tell us what your favourite Eurovision entry was, um, email us at podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk and we will read them and possibly action them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, in a mere... You know, <laughs> six to eight weeks, yeah. you, you may get your question answered. No, no, no there's lo- there's lots of episodes left. You you can still get your questions answered. Um, perhaps, perhaps next season we'll finally get to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, if you like the show, uh, why don't you tell a friend? Uh, not the same friend you told last week or the week before that, because they know about it now. Uh, yeah. You need to find a new person. Basically, we operate on the pyramid like scheme mm. thing. Uh, oh fuck! What's it called? I can't. I can't remember what the name of it is. That's the thing where you have to recruit people who then have to. It's a Ponzi scheme. Is that Ponzi what they call scheme, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, yeah it's less is... of a podcast, more of a Ponzi scheme. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, that, that. That's how this works. But you should still check in with the person that you told about last time, just to check that they are now fully engaged. Yeah, make make sure that they also are telling their friends um, yeah. because we're yeah. looking at uptake metrics, and they're they're not sufficient. You really need to be pulling yeah. your weight, listeners. We're really looking for unchecked, unsustainable growth. <laughs> Yeah, if uh, if uh, if everyone on earth isn't listening to this podcast by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. 
You know that bit in The Thing? Uh, <laughs> 27,000 yeah. hours. That's how long we want it to take until everyone uh, on the planet has been killed by this podcast. <laughs> wait, wait. Um... <laughs> Uh, no, no, listeners. We want you to listen to it. We don't. There's no sort of secret inbred, embedded kill phrase or anything. Forgive me, I was confused. <laughs> Sassafras, torpedo, ocelot. Go, go, go. Um, <laughs> um, so, listeners, if you like the podcast, why don't you tell someone about it? Or, uh, or or leave a comment where you listen to it if that's a thing that that facilitates. Because if you do that, um, then we get more listeners, and that enables us to speak more to you. Um, <laughs> that's where I phrased it sounds like a threat, but it isn't. Um, and it only remains for us to say you can find me on Twitter, Kieran J Walsh, and him can also be found on Twitter. I'm can also be found at Kestrel Pie. That's Kestrel like the bird, and Pie like the irrational number. Uh what even is a pie? Um, <laughs> goodbye, listeners. It's been a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come back, please. Come, do come back. Please come back. Come back. We we need the metrics. <laughs> Bye. Bye.